I'm Liz, your host and the wife and mom behind Unedited Motherhood. Together, we'll talk about all the struggles that we face as adults. Nothing is off limits. We'll uncover important truths and maybe even learn some tips to make our lives a little simpler and a lot more enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. Sometimes it can be difficult to find all of your favorite healthy pantry items at the same grocery store, or even visiting two or three stores. With your Thrive Market membership, you can find any healthy snack or pantry item you could ever want. You can shop by gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, AIP, vegan, and more. Thrive Market has something for everyone. And not just something, lots of things. They sell cookies, pasta and pasta sauces, salad dressing, nut butter, milk alternatives, granola, cooking and baking oil, coffee, soup, cereal, jelly, sugar, and sugar alternatives, chocolate chips, crackers, spices, dried fruit, nuts, and more. In addition to more than 2,700 food items, they also carry supplements, cleaning supplies, makeup, toiletries, and more, all on the natural spectrum. I have been using Thrive for over three years, and I still look forward to getting their boxes in the mail. Every order over $49 ships free, always. In addition, you can earn extra Thrive credit by supporting different featured brands each month. Not only do they have some of the best items on the market, but with your Thrive Market membership, you get these items at a discounted rate, making them cheaper than you could find them at the grocery store. Use my link in the show notes to receive 25% off your first order. Hi listeners, today on Unedited Motherhood, we are going to interview a successful working mom and talk about some of the fun projects that she's done throughout her adult life and also talk about her experience as a foster parent. So thank you, Kelsey, for joining us today. Thank you, Liz, for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to share my experiences with your listeners. Awesome. Well, let's get started and talk a little bit about you. So you have done a lot so far in your adult life at your very young age that we will not disclose. <laughs> I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are very career focused. You're well traveled. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about um, your career and how you've landed where you are. Yeah, I um, spent, gosh, about nine years working at the same company in a business operations management role. Um, had great success, really enjoyed it, met you while yeah. I was there. Um, and then, you know, as I was in my mid to late 20s, I kind of decided I wanted to make a career change. So I did the whole go back to school, get your master's degree. Um, and so now I work in IT. Um, I work specifically in data and analytics um, with an IT focus. And that the day job definitely keeps me busy, but I really enjoy it and enjoy being challenged. So staying in such a busy, important role, what do you like to do to have fun or to unwind? I, I, traveling is big for me. Um, Pre-COVID-19, I did right. a lot more of that. Um, definitely love traveling tropical destinations. Hawaii, Cancun, Cabo, love it. Um, but I also like some of the other destinations like France, Italy, um, where you can really get into the country's history and the food is amazing. Um, so those are a lot of fun too. But that is definitely what kind of keeps me 
sane is carving out that time Mm -hmm. for myself to do what I love. And just having known you, I know most working adults or moms, you know, when they need a break, it's like, I'm going to go to the spa. I'm going to go do mm-hmm. this. And you're just like, I got to get out of town. Right. Like I, <laughs> I need to leave for a week <laughs> or at least a long weekend. <laughs> long weekends are great too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So tell me about your house flipping experience. Uh, yeah. That's another hobby of mine. Um, now yeah. you, you took a, a historic, beautiful house in historic Indianapolis Mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know and turned it from kind of a a forgotten you know neglected life a little bit yeah yeah I I did I bought a house um it you know it was built in the early 1900s it had been well cared for but it really needed an a facelift um so I, I kind of took that on. That was pre-kids when I had a lot more time on my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I took that on as a project and, and really renovated it from top to bottom. It, it was a rather large house. It was quite the project. But um, I really enjoy real estate. I enjoy interior design. Those are both passions of mine. So doing that was – it was fun. Like, it was a hobby. Now, when you went to tackle one of these projects throughout your house, where did you turn to for inspiration or guidance? I mean, I know there's a lot of YouTube and Pinterest and – Yeah, I mean, the internet, absolutely. Um, I definitely – you know, when I walked into that house, I saw the potential of what I wanted to do. So I was already inspired just by walking in. Um, I had never really flipped a house before, and the thought of, like, doing it myself, like – installing tile myself like I I never had done that before but the internet is your friend and you can watch a lot of videos and learn just about anything that you want to so yeah I I, you know I I hired out the things like you know any electrical work or HVAC I mean I can't do that but any of the other things that were more hands-on absolutely I tackled those myself did you ever get funny looks or maybe some doubtful looks at hardware stores (laughs) when you were loading up your cart with lumber absolutely and and like there was one time I went to Home Depot uh, for something I I don't even remember oh bricks I was buying bricks and I rented a truck um, because I I because I don't have a truck, so I rented a truck from Home, Home Depot, and then um, they didn't have the brick that I wanted. Like, okay, rookie mistake, check and make sure the brick you need is in stock, so then I had to drive that truck to Lowe's <laughs> and go in and order my pallet of bricks and then drive the truck from Home Depot to Lowe's back to my house. It was it was kind of funny. That's but. hilarious. <laughs> ah, so we'll share some pictures. Um for oh, the that would be audience That's a good to see idea. Yeah. the before and afters of what you've done with your house because it was incredible. Yeah, my old house. At I your old house. It, yeah. Right. So Renovated it and sold it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. But you got to design the next house that you lived in. So tell I us did. a little bit about that. I did. I, yeah, I custom built a house. It was, it sounds like um fun and it was, but it's a lot of work um, when you think about picking out every single light fixture, every single faucet every piece of tile in the house, it's quite overwhelming. But um, I, like I said, I love interior design. So for me, being able to do that was, again, like another one of those like dream come trues, following your passion, doing things for yourself that make you happy. Um, and I, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. But also knowing you throughout <laughs> this process, I know that while it's a lot of fun and you love 
being able to be super detail oriented to pick things out mm-hmm. there's also a learning curve that came with that because yeah things didn't get done on the timetable you thought and or- that yeah that's a whole nother podcast we can talk about what I've learned about working with <laughs> realtors and attorneys and <laughs> Realtors, attorneys, and even contractors, yeah, too, yeah. because mm-hmm. I know there were a lot of projects that were kind of halfway finished or, you know, you had a list of like one or two things yep. in every room that yep. still needed to be mm-hmm. worked on, even though you were already living in the house, right. too. And it it's that was a year and a half ago that I closed and it's still not done all the way. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely been. Uh, so things like that are definitely learning. a work in progress. Yep. Never ending. Yeah. I thought like it would be move-in ready. That was kind of my thought was like, hey, I did all these construction projects. Let me get a move-in ready house so that I can just focus on being with my kids and have all the time with them and not have to deal with all these construction projects all the time. Um, but that's not how it worked out. Um, but, you know. And that's, it's a learning experience. It is. That's you know? life. What, what goes the way you think it's going to. Right. Yeah. I mean, what kind of life would it be if everything went the way Boring. we thought it was going to be terrible exactly yeah oh, exactly and now you have all this insight to share with your right friends. exactly and if you ever want to build in the future you'll be that much more prepared oh, for sure awesome so we didn't mention but you do have a super cute dog max oh. what, what kind of dog is max yeah i mean he's a mutt he was found running on the streets by one of my neighbors um she posted on one of the apps looking for the owner and no one came forward. So after 30 days, she decided to let me adopt him. Um, and he's been my bestie ever since. So sweet. Such yeah. a fun dog. Yeah. Cool. He, he peed on my pants yesterday. Oh, no. God. <laughs> True story. It's terrible. Okay, Kelsey. So getting into some of these interview questions that I have so intentionally prepared for us. Mm-hmm. Tell me your recollection of how and when we met. So we met, let's see, I, I've known you, gosh, about 10 years now. Um, we met at our, our former mutual employer, and if I recall, I, uh, you transferred into the location where I worked, and I was your boss for some time, but we should tell people you quickly climbed the ladder <laughs> and... Uh, moved your way on up and out of my store and onto your own. That's true. I was so proud of you. Yeah, thanks. That was, those are fond memories. Speaking of having transferred into that store, let's talk about my former employer real quick. Let's do it. My former boss before transferring um, to Kelsey's store. Um, <laughs> I have a funny story about this person. You weren't his biggest fan, right? We, our relationship was very um, tricky We'll, okay. we'll just leave it that right. way. Complicated. Um, complicated, yeah. It started out well, but then it kind of went south. I think this person had a lot of developing to do in their role. So We've um, all been there. Right. So they just weren't a great relationship builder with their subordinates. But I happened to run into this person at my bachelorette party that Kelsey threw for me. This is true. <laughs> and no longer being his subordinate, he to... Um, no, I, and I feel like we saw him and I was like be nice. Let's go say hi. Like it's water under the bridge. We're out. We all work at the same company. Let's just go say hi. Right. And he offered to buy us all a drink. He did. Him and his wife were there. They bought us a shot. All of us. There was a group group. Yeah. Yeah. There was like seven or so of us, including him and his wife. Yep. And I was (laughs) so fun, displeased to see this person. (laughs) 
<laughs> that when everybody did their shot, I just <laughs> threw mine back behind me and faked it and probably I, soaked the bartender because I my back was to the bar. Um, and I saw you do that, and I think I hit the floor because I could not believe. You did I just that. like could not accept this gift from this person. I was seriously holding a grudge, which we're downplaying it. But my relationship with this person was super no bueno. So, um, right. so this was a fun um, instance for me. I look back yeah. on that fondly. You know, that's what I love about you, Liz. Like you, unedited, right? right. Like, <laughs> You've been that way for a long time. And you're keeping me more edited right now than I would have <laughs> trying to normally be. Starbucks, it was Starbucks, okay? <laughs> Everybody was wondering. Uh, yeah. So then real quick, just to add insult to injury, when I did become a store manager, which was after the shot throwing incidents, yes. this person became my boss again as a district manager. <laughs> So I had to work directly under this person. You get away from him. Again. And it only happened because my current boss went on maternity leave and didn't come back to that role. And so we had this temporary boss and then he stayed. And I was like, you have just got, it's like, it just does not get any worse than this. Which we ended up, you know, he, saying It's a our, nice guy. He has his moments. He has a big heart. He has a big heart. And he's very passionate. And we, we were very similar, which is why I think we butted heads a lot. Yep. Um, so, yes, Kelsey and I met about 10 years ago working for this big mega corporation. Um, and because she was my boss for a long time, we weren't social outside of work. But there was a another corporate event mm-hmm. that uh, we both attended that if you see this person at this event, it's not really an event where you can uh, keep formal structure. If right. You, if you catch my drift. Right. So seeing somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this was a fun event. This was the first time that Kelsey and I were social in a social setting together. Yeah. And I think it just kind of, we ended up sitting near each other or next to each other for a little bit. And I think our friendship just kind of. rest is history. Yeah. Next thing you knew, we were flying on a plane to Texas and taking and a little I, trip together. I jumped in her suitcase yeah. for, for a business trip that she took, and mm-hmm. we explored Austin, Texas together that for a couple fun. days. That was a blast. So we'll do one silly question. Okay. I know you love these. What you got for me? I think I said no silly questions. No, I'm you did. You you it's crossed. Okay. I prepared a few like fun personal questions, and she literally crossed them all off and was like, "These make me uncomfortable." But I'm going to make her answer one anyway <laughs> right. because I'm that kind of host. Do it. I'm here for it. So, if you had to choose your last meal, what would it be? Well, you know, Liz, coming off of that uh, episode last week with your meal planning, I would actually like for you to cook me. <laughs> My last meal. Let's see. You have made some amazing dinners. Let's see. Tonight we had beef stew. You should put that recipe on your blog. It was really good. You are such a good cook. And I think your listeners don't know that about you. Like, yes, you meal plan, but it's also really good. And I would not give out this compliment if I didn't mean it. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. I love to cook. It's my love language. You can bake. You can cook. I almost made cookie dough stuffed brownies for you today, and I ran out of time. I know I shouldn't have told you. 
different. That's okay because I still have your ramekin, so I need to come back like next week and bring you that. Uh, they will be waiting for you Perfect. hot out of the oven. Perfect. They're so good. I've made them. So good. So thank you for indulging me in that question, and thank you. That is so sweet. I You're welcome. I do love to be in the kitchen. I love to cook, and I have a husband that loves to eat, so I have made it a point to find recipes that he really enjoys and that we both, you know, we all really enjoy. Um, and I found, thankfully I've been able to find a few bloggers and recipe developers that have very similar taste to what we enjoy. And so I've been able to just kind of, you know, pick their, pick through their recipes and kind of create a repertoire that is a really big hit around here. It's a big hit for me. So moving into the motherhood piece of this episode, the foster parenting, um, tell me a little bit about um, your journey to become a foster parent. Yeah, um, that journey started the summer of about 2017 uh, when I started researching what is a foster parent, what what is required of you, what would I need to do to become one. Um, I you know, I was looking at the world as many of us were at that time and ever since then and thinking, what am I doing to make this better? What am I doing to bring some light and love, as cheesy as that sounds, um, to the world? And uh, so that was kind of my why. Um, I got my first placement in April of 2018, two little boys. And tell me, with Mm -hmm. having all of those months to do your homework and Mm -hmm. research and prepare, did you feel prepared for that first placement? Uh, I'm asking because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that like to plan and then there's other people that just kind of jump into things. Do you feel like yeah. all those months? I mean, I mean, I think like if you have kids already, then yes. From that point of view, I think that would have, I would have been prepared. But I think for me not having any children, you know, that was my first experience outside of really babysitting when I was a teenager to have children and to have two of them walk through my door who I had never met, um, 18 months and four years old. And all of a sudden I'm learning like nothing can prepare you for that. It's probably like when you have your first child, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like does anything really prepare you for that? Like that, that moment when you're like all of a sudden I am in, in charge of loving and protecting and keeping this human alive. These two humans alive. Why are they crying? Right. And wait, what's their name again? Like (laughs) my son, my second child did not have a name for 10 days after he was born. (laughs) You know, you think you're prepared for these things, but then sometimes life happens and you're just like, I just don't know the answer. Yeah, And I thought I was prepared because I had bought like, you know, diapers in every size and I had a closet full of clothes and assorted sizes, boy clothes, girl clothes, like gender neutral things like, but I mean, nothing can prepare you I think for that first moment of parenthood whether it's a newborn or a four-year-old it's kind of an overwhelming feeling yeah totally understandable when did you first have an interest in fostering I know you talked about in 2017 is when you kind of started looking into it and thinking what can I do but is this a theme that you had kind of been thinking of as a young kid I remember being a kid and seeing other families had foster kids Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand that idea but was this something that you've been carrying with you for a long time yeah, I mean, I think I always knew I wanted to have a family at some level. I, I n- never really knew how or what that was going to look like. And I think for me, you know, 
it was kind of like, why not me? Why, why not? Like I could do that. I could give back in that way. Um, and I think, you know, I'm the type of person that if you're going to complain about things or even some of the controversial topics, you know, if, if you're going to have a stance on things and you're going to have opinions. And I think at that time, a lot of people were sharing a lot of things on social media. And that was really a time when there was a lot of emotions and a lot of fuel in the fire. And I think for me, what I had to do was to turn all of that into something that was going to make an actual difference instead of, you know, being frustrated by memes or posts. It was kind of like, I'm going to shut all of that off and I'm going to stop posting. I'm going to stop even looking at it. And I'm just going to go try to make the world better. Mm -hmm. That's so important to disconnect because we, you know, we're a product of what we consume. And Mm -hmm. when we spend so much time in social media and looking at the way everybody else is living their lives and looking at everybody else's superficial half thought out posts that they're then circulating, um, it can be really draining and it can leave you feeling just icky yeah, or even yeah. unsure. And I, and I was thinking like, you know, I could share something or comment on something, but what difference is that making? That's just spreading more hate, more. It's just polarizing people. Absolutely. And I'm, and I want to do the opposite of that. So I was kind of like, yeah, turning that off and I'm going to put my time and my energy towards hopefully changing someone's life or maybe I can't change it, but maybe I can make it a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So what would you say has been the biggest challenge that you faced as a foster parent? I think the biggest, you know, challenge is, you know, the doubt that you feel. And probably every parent feels that way to some degree. Am I doing the right thing for my kid? Um, Am I encouraging them in the right way? Am I loving them in the right way? Am I disciplining them in the right way? Um, but especially as a foster parent, you know, you have these kids who you've never met before. You have no idea what discipline looked like in their household, what dinner looked like in their household, what love looked like. And so trying to come in and like provide them with a stable, safe, loving environment, temporary environment for most, um, like, I think there's just a lot of doubt constantly. Like, am I doing what they need? Am I doing what's best for them? Um, and, and at least for me, I just constantly would question that. And, and it's been really hard. That's a really hard position to be in because even if you're a parent of a biological child that's yours and you have them from birth, you can kind of set your own personal, um, you know, rules or boundaries for what you want parenting to look like. And when it's your child, even if you're not confident about the rules, you know, you're, you know, you're doing what's best for the child. But when you're jumping in with a child that is not biologically yours and they're already, um, you know, a certain age and been under somebody else's care to then impose, you know, those same rules or boundaries that you'd have mm-hmm. for your own child on another child. I can imagine how difficult that would yep. be to know if what you're doing is what is going to be best for them, considering right. that they have had a, a completely different upbringing right till that point right and and what's best for them isn't necessarily like my way of life right like like the way that I might raise a child from birth versus providing temporary care and trying to keep their environment stable and consistent and not confusing so it's a lot and it's hard um it's it's challenging for sure because you're not going to set the same 
expectations on these children that you would for a child that you're planning to raise to the age of 18 you know you have yeah, these our, our priorities might be different from mine from their bio parents I mean we could be have a completely different set of values a completely different set of goals we could prioritize different things in life as important and so how you care for a child who's now caught in the middle of all of that is it's tough and how have you managed to find you know a set of you know ideals that you feel comfortable you know implementing with these kids that aren't too much yours to the point where they'll feel like they're rebounding under Mm -hmm. somebody else's care but also not feeling like you're neglecting your role as a parental figure to instill some of these values yeah I I mean I think for me I've thought about that and I kind of landed on like one kind of value that is the reason why I do this one of the reasons there's many but but one of them and it, it's kind of like the the theme for the house and it's just be kind be kind you know and that goes with me to the children when they come be kind be understanding that they're coming to live with a stranger and I mean anybody who has young children that's typically the age range I take like if you can imagine like for whatever reason, all of a sudden your two-year-old had to go live with a stranger, like you would probably just hope that they were kind. And and so that's kind of one of the things I think about. And I think it's good for the, uh, the kids to learn, you know, I'm trying to make a difference here. And if I can give anything back in the world, it's kindness. So if I can remind them to be kind with their words, kind with their hands, kind with their heart, their actions, all of those, that's kind of what I try to revolve all of the house mm-hmm. rules around. And, and understanding why it's important to be kind, like, mm-hmm. yes, be nice, but why and Mm -hmm. I and my four-year-old questions why there was a period of months where she asked why after every piece of direction everything that came out of our mouth why and I don't think it was so much defiance as she really wanted to understand like I know you're telling me to do this but why Mm -hmm. and being kind is important for a plethora of reasons you know more than just to be cordial you know you never know what somebody else is going through or what how somebody else is treated in their home and so to just be kind but to explain why being Mm -hmm. kind is so important I think is is good for these kids too because they grow up just being you know bounced around from home to home sometimes and being barked orders at Mm -hmm. without you know probably you know understanding the whys behind yeah, some of these values people are trying yeah, to Yeah, so at the end of the day, even if it's a, a short placement, a long-term placement, it's like I, I just hope that they can reflect back on that and remember like, oh, yeah, I remember she was really kind and that was really nice. And I am going to show that kindness to the world. And if I can just get a couple more lights out there doing that, like I'll feel pretty good. So that was pretty heavy, the biggest challenge being self-doubt. Tell me what your favorite thing about being a foster parent is. Yeah, I mean, my favorite part has been meeting the kids. Um, I think before I started, that's what I was most nervous about. I thought, what are these kids going to be like? Um, You know, are they going to be difficult? Are they going to be sad? Is it going to be hard to bond with them? Are they going to like me? Are they, right, are they going to like me? Are they going to listen to me? Um, Are they just going to cry for their mom and dad all the time? And so I think, like, my favorite, favorite part has been meeting them they are all so unique so special um I mean they just like I'm sure 
the parents listening here today, like their kids all have a unique personality. I mean, so do these kids. They are no different than any other kid that you would meet. There's things about them that will drive you nuts and there's things about them that just make your heart melt. So by far, meeting the kids, um, having the opportunity to get to know them has been um, my favorite part of this whole process for sure. And, and I think seeing the happy endings. Um, I think a lot of times people think, oh, foster care must be bad parents who don't know what they're doing. And that's, I mean, that's really not an assumption that I think people should make. Um, sometimes people need a hand. Sometimes people need some help. And so when you see a mom get reunified with her baby and she's come to the doctor's appointments and she's come to her visits and she is doing everything that she can to be a mom – and you see her get her baby back, it's amazing and it's wonderful. And it, you know, it, it, there's nothing better than seeing somebody do that. Yeah. And I think that you touched on an important misconception with foster parenting because I think a lot of people assume that you foster to adopt. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the way the system was designed. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, you know, they, Adoption is really the last resort um, and a lot of times like really what they're trying to do is you know and it, people may agree with it or not and that's that's up to each individual but the system is designed to support the parents to provide them services to get them what they need to to be able to yeah have their kids back and to provide that home that the system is not designed to keep kids away from parents that is not what it's doing. Yeah. And yeah. so this is, fostering is not for the faint of heart, you know. It's not. You, my first, you know, year I I fostered, well, total I fostered 11 kids. Um, most of those were within the first year. It was kind of like a revolving door, which again isn't what I expected. When I got my first placement, I thought, oh, they'll be here for six months or a year. We're going to have all this time to like bond and be together and I'm going to make this huge impact and then a few weeks later they went back home and again to parents who love them dearly like what's better than that yeah that's that's incredible that they I mean sometimes to a fault but they always do what they can to get the kids back to their parents Mm -hmm. yeah so how important is it for you to have a support system throughout this process and what does your support system look like yeah, I mean, the support system is key, uh, absolutely, um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think, one, having a defined support system matters because, you know, there's a little bit of red tape in who you can leave these kids with if you want to go to dinner or you want to go to Europe for a week or two. You know, you have to have a plan in place. You know, if you're going to have somebody watch the kids, they're going to have to have a background check, a criminal history check. Um, If they're going to be driving the kid, you probably should get their driving record, check their license, and fill out all the paperwork, prove they have car insurance. Um, Just things that like normal parents wouldn't have to do if they wanted to go out to dinner and, you know, their sister was going to come pick up their kids and take them over to their house. You know, you wouldn't have to like, hey, can I, you know, can I run your driving record real quick before you pick the kids up? (laughs) By the way. Right. So there's just, so having a support system is important because you need to have people who are willing 
to fill out all that paperwork every year and, you know, kind of lift the hood up and say, all right, DCS, look at, look at me. What do you want to know about me? What do you need to see? I'm, I'm open for that. So I think, you know, that that's huge. And I mean, my support system, I've, I've got several people who take the kids, you know, once a week, um, overnight, um, couple places that they can go if I need that. Um, and that's just huge to give me a chance to recharge because the reality is, is some of the kids I've had are pretty high needs and you really do have to take care of yourself. At at least for me, I have to take care of myself in order to take Mm -hmm. care of the kids. Well, the self care and the self love movement Mm -hmm. is really big right now. And a lot of people are self deprecating, especially mothers, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they are always putting other people in other people's needs before their own. And especially when they're not, you know, kids that you know you're going to have forever, Mm -hmm. you know, you're making all these sacrifices for them, which is important, but it's also important to recognize, like, you have to deal with you for the rest of your life. And so there's certain measures Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and and I know like if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not the best for the kids. Like if I don't carve out that time for me, then I'm the frazzled, short mom who is doesn't have the patience that I normally would right but when I take that time to recharge I'm able to show up for the kids in the way that I want to and to give them my full attention and at the end of the day you're not feeling like oh I'm so exhausted and I'm feeling whole like I've taken care of myself and I've done what I wanted to do this weekend um and so now the rest of the weekend I'm going to be a mom which I also love so I I like both I I like being me and I like being with the kids awesome so for friends that or for for your support system what advice could you give to a new support system coming into this role obviously going through the process of becoming um, an appropriate caregiver for times when they need to watch Mm -hmm. the kids but what other things can they do to support you yeah I mean I think that one's huge you know uh, being able to watch the kids is is one of the biggest things you can do to help support um but I think also if like you know you know a new foster parent or somebody's thinking about it and you know you've got even the hand-me-down clothes like help fill their closet up with some different sizes some some you know you got to half open bag of diapers in this size like passing that stuff down is great um I know for me like it was important to be prepared and to have everything um and that can be expensive when you're trying to do that and not everybody has the budget to do that so I think that's one one way you can help what about um like we were just talking about self-care what about some gift cards or some different ways that you can take care of yourself kind of like some encouragement like hey go get a pedicure or hey yeah yes I think just like what you might do for a friend who's a new mom I think it's the same thing and I think um you know just even listening to what they're going through and showing that you care because it is an emotional roller coaster and um, it can be hard for a lot of reasons. Like the kids have some needs that can sometimes be hard and you're not sure if you're doing the right thing and you're questioning yourself. So I think listening to them is important. I think um, sharing even other parenting stories is important because, you know, again, for me, all of a sudden 
I had a four-year-old one day. I don't know what's normal necessarily for a four-year-old. Or like, is this behavior normal? Like, is this not? So I think even like being there to like bounce ideas off, especially if it's someone who doesn't have other kids in the home, that could be really helpful. Um, and I mean, play dates, you know, if we can be COVID friendly for now, but, um, you yeah, know, I think that's huge. Sure. Bringing mm-hmm. some dinner over. That's, so yeah. Liz, you can do that anytime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, those are some great tips. Um, do you have any other advice that you would give to somebody that's interested or in the beginning stages of fostering? Yeah. I mean, I think before you start, my advice would be really think about if it's right for you. Like, may, like maybe your heart is in it, but is it logistically really going to work for you and your partner or your spouse and your other children in the home? Um, because I, I think it's important to clearly define what you are doing, why you are doing it, and to set up boundaries to protect yourself and your relationships. Yeah, that's one thing that we didn't touch on yet is yeah. the, the strain on a relationship <laughs> or the importance of yeah. being on the same page Absolutely, um, with not only the whole process but then setting those boundaries you know when you get a call at 3 a.m yep exactly like you and your partner need to be on the same page because my phone has rang at 3 a.m so if you know if you and your partner haven't talked about that either you're gonna have to wake them up or they're gonna wake up to a baby in the crib (laughs) like I mean maybe they're okay with that maybe they're not like that I don't know um so I think it's important to talk about that and I've seen instances where you know, people I know um, maybe wait or pause on, I don't know, let me talk to my other half or I don't know, let me check on this. And then they call back and, well, that child's already been placed. So, like, I think it's just important to know what are you looking for? Are you Mm -hmm. looking to be a temporary home? Like, are you looking – like, is it okay if this child stays three days and then goes back home? Is it okay if they stay three years? Like, I think it's just important to know ahead of time, what are you willing to sign up for? Gender, Gender, age, age, yes. Quantity. Mm, Quantity, (laughs) yes. Like, are you okay with sibling sets? How many siblings would you take? Because really, what are you going to do if they call and they say, you're the last name on the list today and I've got a newborn and a three-year-old. Like, can you please help us out and take it? And maybe you and your other half had decided you were only going to take one. And now this is going to tug on your heartstrings because you're like, oh, I'm the last call. They're going to separate these siblings if I don't take them both. And it's just important to know what your boundaries are and to know why you set those as your boundaries Mm -hmm. and stick to them. Even if your heart is in the right place, you can quickly spiral into a situation. Yes, I've been there when my heart was in the right place. And then it was like, oh, what have I done? Um, So I think like it's just important to set those boundaries and stick to them. Because like you set them for a reason and and it will help you take care of yourself. And you set boundaries for a reason. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you set that boundary and you know that for your relationship or for yourself or for your household, like this is where we need to be. This is our max. Yeah. And if you Mm -hmm. exceed that boundary or if you step outside of it, you may think in the moment, well, I'm doing what's best for this kid. But if you can't be your best self or your best relationship can't be in its best place, it's not going to be what's best for the kid. No, no, not at all. And, and, and so that's, yeah, that's my last piece of advice. Like make sure, make sure you set your boundaries and stick to them because it's not easy when you get those phone calls and they're like, well, we thought maybe you might 
maybe take this one. We're really desperate. And your, your heart, at least for me, I mean, my heart was just, okay. Um, but I also learned from that, that that's not really wise. Um, so awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us. Thank you for having me. I hope our listeners enjoyed our conversation today about, um, your experience as a foster parent, 11 kids in in three years. I mean, you've had primarily boys, but you know, you've had a couple girls now. I know I had eight boys and I've had three girls. So, and I know, I mean, you shared a lot about the challenges and what you would have known a lot of logistics stuff, but I know how much you've enjoyed being a mommy. I do. I do. I love it. It, it brings me a lot of joy. The kids are sweet and hopefully I'm sending them, you know, back into the world, happy, safe, and maybe just a little bit, you know, better than you got them. You know, that's your maybe goal. a little kinder, or little maybe kinder, maybe I right. can teach You've them made an impression something. On maybe, them. yeah, maybe. I hope, you know. And I absolutely yeah. think that that's the case. I spent time around both of these girls <laughs> that you have now, and thank you. I definitely see, you know, a huge behavioral improvement in them, but also, you know, they're just they're sweet and they love you, and um, I think that they really enjoy being with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Once again, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us here at Unedited Motherhood and sharing a piece of your motherhood experience. I hope that our listeners learned a little bit about fostering and um, maybe feel compelled to share that information with somebody or feel that they can do a little bit more than what they're doing right now, whether it's to be a foster parent themselves or on how to better support the foster parents that they know um, in their in their personal inner circles. Next week, when we return on Unedited Motherhood, we will be beginning a new series on all things baby, and we'll be kicking off the series with breastfeeding. So have a great week, and I will talk to you next Tuesday.